pretty good. Um, we are in Ruth, in the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth is one, I think there's two, two books of the Bible that don't mention God. And Ruth is one of them. And the other one is Esther. Now, why the two books named after women don't ever mention God? I don't know. I'm not going to infer anything from that, whatever. But it's awesome that it's in here because it shows us when God is silent, when it feels like God is not present and we still do things God's way, we still act as if God is speaking and is present, that God still works and God still does things. I will never forget, I probably told this story before. It was either when we were, when Cindy and I were engaged and we were almost married or when we were newly married. It was right around, and we're, we're you know, we weren't engaged very long. We got married really fast. And so we're still getting to know like deeper parts of each other. And I made some comment, she made some comment about Ruth. And I made some comment about Ruth as I didn't even see what the point of it was. And she's like, you've never even read it. I said, oh yeah, I've read, I've read the whole Bible. She's like, you, then you didn't pay attention. You should just sit down and write, it's a short book, you should just sit down right now and read it. Which is exactly why I married this girl, right? So we sit down and we read the book of Ruth. And I'm not arguing and I'm not pushing back and I'm not but I'm just not seeing it and I go through chapter one I mean it's a good story it is a good event I'm glad this happened in God's people I'm glad you know God cares for the widows and the 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 aliens and the foreigners and reading through and she knew what was coming like she knew what the deal was so she stayed quiet Oh, and I'm reading it out loud to her because we're romantical and all that stuff. (laughs) And I keep reading and keep reading. I get all the way to chapter 4, verse 18. And the whole book of Ruth is four chapters and 22 verses. So I'm within the last four verses of the whole book. And I read, now these are the generations. Oh, no, no. One verse before that. Verse 17. The women of the neighborhood, this is Ruth chapter four, verse 17. Women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And it was like a 50 pound bag of flour just fell on me. And I was like, whoa, whoa. That whole book is in there to show what happened to happen to happen so that King David could come into the world. So we're going to talk about it today, and I'm spoiling it right from the beginning. But this whole book just shows, gosh, even when God is silent, even when we feel like our our prayers are just hitting this wooden ceiling in here and falling back in some other pew, that God is active and he is participating and he is doing something, even if it's just in the way he set the world up to be. So in chapter one and chapter two, 
Naomi and her husband Elimelech, there's a famine. They go off to this other country. They go, there's food there, but it is the land of, of foreign gods and foreign awful, and it's just terrible. And they live there, and their two sons are, are little when they go. They're there for 10 years with their sons old enough to marry and have daughters-in-law. The husband dies, the sons die, now it's just Naomi. And she tells her two daughters-in-law, look, you can still get married. You're still young enough. Even though you've been married for 10 years, you can still get married again and have kids and go on. It would be better for you to go serve your old gods and not stick with me. That is how distraught and uh, she changes her name to Bitter, Tamara. That's how distraught and bitter she was. That it would be, she says, it would be better for you to go serve your foreign gods. Now that there's food back in Bethlehem, I'm going to go back there. And Ruth, of course, says, no way. I'm coming with you. I'm sticking with you. So they go back to Bethlehem, which this is a thousand years before Jesus. And Bethlehem is their hometown. It's where they're from. They live, uh, this is where Rachel was buried. Like the Rachel, like Rachel and Leah and Jacob. and Yeah. And, uh, and so they go back to Bethlehem and it's Naomi and Ruth. It's the old widow lady and her stuck with her foreigner daughter-in-law. Because Ruth was from Moab. She was a Moabite. And she would look different. Her skin would be a slightly different tone. Her, um, You know how people, sometimes it's not even skin color, but it's the shape of their chin, the shape of their nose, the shape of their cheekbones, whatever it is. You're like, oh my gosh, that dude's so German. Oh my gosh, that guy's so Irish. They kind of look the same, but then when you pay attention, you're like, that's an old German guy, that's an old Irish guy, right? So she would look different than the Israelites. And they come back home to Bethlehem and everybody's like, oh, did you hear about Naomi? Naomi, everybody died. Who's that foreigner with her? I think that's her daughter-in-law. Why is she still with her? She's a, if her sons died, her daughter-in-law should go back where she came from. So they're, they're getting this weird homecoming, right? Well, they glean the, they glean the wheat. That was uh, God's welfare social security system that he set up back in Deuteronomy and Leviticus is when you harvest, don't harvest everything and let the illegal aliens come and harvest and eat some of that. Let the widows, let the orphan kids, the little orphan kids that don't have any anybody giving them a paycheck, giving them food, let them come and harvest that and then they would take that home to eat it. And of course, Boaz is this landowner and he sees her and and um, Naomi remembers Boaz and she's like, there's this guy and he's got land. Go harvest there. I know he's a righteous guy, so he'll take care of us. Boaz, she knows he'll take care of him and that he'll follow the law. Does that make sense? He'll follow the law by not harvesting everything. She doesn't know that he'll take care of them specifically and deliberately. And so... 
She goes and she harvests there. Boaz is like, hey, who are you, foreigner lady? That's not what he said. But she would have stuck out. She would have been noticeable. Now, I know in the movies, it's like, who is this beautiful woman from Moab? And they fall in love. And You actually don't get that in the Bible. Um, he does notice her, but he could have noticed her because she was beautiful. It doesn't say that. Probably more likely he noticed her because she is a foreigner. And she stuck out. So, that brings us to chapter 3. They did this all through the whole barley harvest and all through the whole wheat harvest. And Boaz showed Ruth favor. And when they would all take a break for lunch, he would give her some of their cooked food that they had for lunch instead of her having to sit with all of the other scavengers and just kind of eat the cracked wheat raw or I don't know what they did, whatever they could bring. So Naomi says, this, Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. My daughter, should I not seek the rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? So she's working with all of Boaz's women in the field. See, look, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash yourself up, therefore, and anoint yourself. Put on your cloak. And go down to the threshing floor, but don't make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies and go and uncover his feet and lie down and he'll tell you what to do. And so she replied, that's what I'll do. So Naomi has this totally weird scheme, right? She says, I need to look after. I, I'm not going to be here forever. I need to I need to take care of you. When Boaz has been partying and celebrating the harvest, after he's really jolly, good and liquored up from the party, sneak down there, all dressed up, go uncover his feet and lie down, and he'll tell you what to do. What in the world? You know, the answer, my friends, is in Leviticus. So in Leviticus 25, there's this really cool thing that God set up and God set this up under Moses. So this is years before the opening line of Ruth, Ruth chapter one, verse one is in the time of the judges. Da, 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 da. Well, remember the main thing that they said over and over in the book of Judges, there was no king in the land and everybody did just what they wanted. It's terrible. It was anarchy. So here's the book of Ruth that in the midst of the time of the judges, when there was no king in Israel and everybody did what they wanted, somebody was doing the law right. And they were, they were even obeying Leviticus 25. All right, listen to this. This is Leviticus 25, 5. If brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. So maybe it's good the kids aren't here today. This is, we just busted PG-13. The brother marries the wife, right? Okay. 
The first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother so that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. So the brother and the widow have a child, have a son, and that son counts as far as the will goes, as far as the inheritance goes and everything as the son of the man that died. Isn't that wild? All right, so why in the world would you do this? Well, remember the structure God set up was your land was in your family for your whole life. And if you lost all of your land, if you lost, if you went into debt, if I went into debt so much and I sold my house and I sold everything I have to Steve and now he owns, I'm, we're all slaves to him. He owns my land. He owns my house. He owns all of it. But when the year of Jubilee comes, it all returns to me. And all debts are forgiven. And now I have a whole fresh start <clears throat> to start the Sullivan family again with our land, with our house. We're not slaves. And we basically got 75 years, a 75 year reset to not mess it up again. So that's what this is. If, if everything messed up and it was just an absolute calamity and and the, the husband died and there weren't any sons and there's nobody to leave it on. Here's a way to keep that family line going. If the man does not wish to take his brother's wife. So the guy says, no way, I'm not doing that. Then this is this is where it gets wild. If it wasn't wild already, this is where it gets wild. If the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, his brother's wife will go up to the gate to the city elders and say, my brother's, my husband's brother refer, refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of the city will call him, talk to him. And if he persists and says, I won't take her, then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders. Pull off his sandal. What? Okay. Takes his sandal off. Takes his sandal off his foot and spits in his face. And she shall answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. And the name of his house shall be called from that day on in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. What in the world? So. Naomi knows Leviticus 25. She might not know it as she would know it as Leviticus 25, right? But she knows there's this law that if the brother doesn't do it, then we take his sandal off and we spit in his face and he's known forever as the guy with no shoes. Well, so where does all this come from? So do you remember when Abraham went into the land and God said, everywhere your footsteps, I will give you. What if all of a sudden you were taken out of those footsteps and those footsteps didn't count? That's that is the that is the the, the deeper root of that. 
is that it's like you you take your sandals off because the place that you walked, it was like you never walked there. It was like you never stepped foot there and you have no claim to that land. It, uh, you know, the whole walk a mile in somebody's shoes. I don't know that they're related, but it's the whole thing of you can relate to somebody if you've walked where they walked. Well, if you don't perpetuate your brother's family line, it's like you never set foot here. And so we're taking your shoe off of you. And we're going to spit in your face. On a normal day, if you spit in your face, you got to pay 400 days wages. So that's a shameful, shameful thing. So back to Naomi. So Naomi knows that Boaz is a redeemer for their family. Somehow he's related. So he might not be the brother of Elimelech, but somehow he is in line that he can play the part of Elimelech's brother and redeem Naomi and redeem Elimelech, continue Elimelech's family line. So Ruth goes and she waits until the party's over and they're all partying and Boaz lays down at the end of the pile of grain. So right there where the grain is being threshed, where they've been working and they have their party to celebrate the harvest and probably he paid everybody. He probably paid everybody in part of the harvest. So all of his workers are going home with all kinds of food and they can resell it if they want. They can do all their things. But then he's going to sleep on it because that, for one, it protects it from thieves because nobody's going to come and steal it, right? You know, this is, there isn't cash money. There isn't coinage. I mean, coins were, came much later. I mean, it's all barter. But it's also because that's just where he is. He has no family. He's not married. And he might as well sleep where his work is. So Ruth comes in. She lays down and she covers his feet. She uncovers his feet. She lays down at the foot at the foot of him. This was traditionally where your, your, your lesser people in your family, maybe your slaves, maybe your hired hands would sleep at a distance from you a little bit, but still close because they're your servants. They're, your, they're, they're serving you. In the middle of the night, he wakes up. This is verse eight. At midnight, the man was startled, turned over. There's a woman laying at his feet. He said, who are you? It's dark. They don't have a night lights. They don't have a, you know, hey, Alexa, turn the lights on. Nothing. He hears her in the dark. I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. I love how Ruth does not. There is just no nonsense here. It is just like, boom. So what in the world? Spread your wings. Different translations say different things. Wings was a, you used it for different things, different terms. Um, we talked about this. When the woman that was bleeding for 18 years touched the hem of Jesus's cloak and got healed, there's healing in his wings. Wings is the edge of the garment. Wings would be the edge of that, that cloak or that blanket that she lifted up and covered herself up with. To show his guardianship over her. Put your authority. It was also a sign of authority. 
Um, even at, at Jewish weddings today, they have the little cupola, which is the like the little tent thing that they hold up on sticks, and it's a big cloth. And the the married couple are underneath that. That is, they're under that authority. They're under that covering. Those wings. So she says, you're a redeemer. Spread your wings over your servant for you're a redeemer. Now, Boaz may have known, probably did, that he was in some way related to Elimelech. And so he was related to Naomi. So he was related to Ruth in a redeemer position. But he didn't pursue it. He didn't he didn't know if that was like the thing or whatever. And this could have just been the go do it, dude. This is your this is your chance. Because his answer, his answer says he he's already thought about it. This has already been in his head. He says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. OK, wait. So daughter uh, does doesn't mean he's her daughter. So that can be confusing. Um, they use the same word for maiden, maid virgin, damsel, all of those get translated into English from the same word. So it's like young lady or dear. It's, that's a really good one. Dear. You, where is it? Be blessed by the Lord, dear. Okay, I call my wife dear, so does it mean wife? No, not really. I call my daughter dear. Does it mean daughter? Well, no, not really. Sue calls me dear. Does that mean, what, what in the world? It's just all a, a, I care for you word. Does that make sense? You are blessed by the Lord. You've made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my dear, do not fear. He is so moved by her loyalty. She was loyal to Naomi. Ruth could have gone and run after any guy in Bethlehem, but she didn't go run after any guy. She stayed faithful to Naomi and kept on taking care of her. And then she went after Boaz. Don't fear. I will do for you all that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. There's been all kinds of positive gossip about Ruth. And now it is true that I'm a redeemer. You're right. So he already knew that. But there's a redeemer nearer than I. So some people think that's Jesus, but it's not Jesus. I mean, redeem, he's a redeemer and he's close to you than Boaz. But don't take this out of context and read it that way. <laughs> there was some other dude that was a closer relative. And so basically he had dibs to marry Ruth first and to get that line and to continue it. Stay here tonight in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. He doesn't want to send her out into the night. He doesn't want to send her out into the dark. Stay here. Go back to sleep. And I'll take care of it. So she leaves in the morning. He gives her a ton of food. He gives her a ton of the, the harvest. She goes home. She shows this barley to Naomi and Naomi's like, okay, he didn't give you that much for nothing. You get ready because he's going he's gonna to solve this quick. He's going to solve this like today. He, he will not be slow on this. 
So Ruth chapter 4. Boaz goes up to the city gate. Uh-oh, wait. Where have we heard about the city gate before? Leviticus 25. Goes to the city gate. And everybody at some point during the day goes by the city gate. If they live in the city, they're going to come out to the city gate to hang out with everybody for a minute before they're all going to the, their work day. If they're from outside of the city, they're, of course, going to come through the city gate to meet with, to do whatever they're doing in the city that day. So it was a real, it was a very public place and everybody was there at some point during the day. So Boaz goes there and he just waits. And there he is. He sees this other Redeemer guy. And he says, hey, the dude never gets named. Isn't that wild? He doesn't like, that seems like that would be significant. Nope. He says to the Redeemer, Hey, you know, Naomi, this is in verse uh, three, verse two. Naomi came back and she's selling her field and all the property of Elimelech. Do you want to buy it? Because you're the you're the next in line relative. And I wanted to tell you, you know, oh, and he gets some elders together to hear this and to witness this transaction. If you redeem it, redeem it. But if you won't, let me know because I'm next in line and I would like to redeem it. And the guy says, I'll redeem it. I mean, it's like bargain land, right? And all of a sudden I get richer and it's in my family and help it out. And then Boaz, who's a really smart dude, says, oh yeah, and by the way, you also get to marry the Moabite. You know, the foreigner girl. And the guy, the Redeemer, this is verse 6. The Redeemer said, I can't redeem it for myself. Otherwise, I'll mess up my own inheritance. Now, is he doing it because he doesn't want Ruth the Moabite? And he'll have to, you know, have a child by her. And then he's worried about his inheritance being messed up. Probably not. It's probably more likely that he wanted that land to be part of his inheritance for his family. But if he has a child with Ruth... He won't get the land as part of his inheritance. He doesn't get to keep it. So then he says no. Isn't that wild? So this whole thing, it's really, um, it's, it's a work of mercy. Because this guy is going to take in this widow who was married to his brother or to his relative and care for her and raise a child with her and his name isn't going to be on anywhere on it. It's all going to go on. And so that's kind of what the kins, it's called a kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer is asked to do all this at his own expense, at his own cost. And he says, no, take my right of redemption for yourself. I can't redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction one drew off his sandal. What? And they gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So, at some point between Leviticus 25 and Ruth chapter 4, the shame part of it was taken away. They're not slapping this guy in the face with his sandal. They're not spitting in his face or anything. They've got all the elders there and they're like, look, this is just a deal. You buy this, you take this, you're not doing that. Okay, good. 
we're done. Take your shoe off. There's a sign of it. We did it. It's a legal transaction. And the, the effort of taking off their shoe and passing it to the other guy is enough, like a signature or like getting a notary to stamp it. And they've got 10 elders around that are all watching. Buy it for yourself. The Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. He drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belong to Elimelech and all that belong to Chilion and Malon and Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of this native place. Isn't it wild how Boaz... I mean, we could be just blunt and be like, Boaz wants to get married to Ruth. But isn't it wild that in that thing that he just wants to do, there is this really holy, beautiful, and awesome thing happening that Elimelech, Elimelech's name is carried on, that Naomi is given a grandchild in her old age, that Ruth is being provided for and being taken into Israel and uh, for all practical purposes, made into a Jewish person, made into a Jew, made into one of God's, God's chosen people. It's really wild because there's a lot of times that we want to do stuff. And sometimes we want to do stuff and it's wrong. <laughs> sometimes there's stuff that we want to do and it's not wise. Sometimes there's stuff that we want to do that God wants us to do. And it's okay to want to do it. It right here, this totally holy, wonderful, awesome thing happened from what Boaz wanted to do. It's not evil. And he did it and he tells them all, you're my witnesses and they and I'm going to marry her and I'm going to promote the line of Elimelech. And the people go nuts. They love it. It is like a huge party. It's like not just a marriage. It's a super marriage. Because you've got this great act of mercy and kindness on behalf of Obed. You've got this boldness of Ruth, who's a foreigner. And the people, even though they didn't like foreigners, they knew that God wanted foreigners to come into his kingdom. They just didn't want it to be with them. And so it just becomes this huge celebration. And... Uh, and they just start partying. They, may you act worthily in Ephrathah. May you be renowned in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. May your kids just be awesome. That um, the, the children just be blessed. That's what, that's what they're all referring to. And so they got married. The Lord gave her a child and... Um, Skip down to verse 14. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. So the other thing that helps us here. So remember Naomi? She said, call me Mara. Call me bitter. Just name me bitterness. I have nothing. I have no hope. And little did she know 
there was a redeemer for her that she found and redeemed her that did it. And this is a this is a hint and an encouragement to us. I hope I hope none of us ever feel as hopeless as Naomi did. That we would change our names. That we would be do not don't even call me Dan. Call me dirt face, you know. Call me miserable. Um, to be in such a state. But even in that state, Naomi didn't say, God, give me a redeemer. She didn't even pray for deliverance. And God showed her mercy and provided for her and helped her. And he didn't even help her by just barely, okay, I'll help you get through this hard time by, you know, not being miserable. He helped her with abundance. He gave her all this food. He gave her this grandbaby um, named Obed. And she probably wasn't alive to see King David. But she at least got redeemed. She knew that she was redeemed. She knew her family line. To the Jewish people, the family line was such a big deal. Huge, huge thing. But... um. Some of it because of tradition, some of it because of land and property, and that was your job. So, all right, so what are we doing next? Where are we going from here? <gasps> so, the closest thing I ever had to seminary was Calvary Chapel, and the Calvary Chapel way is to go front to back through the whole Bible. So, if we look at now that we're done with Ruth, we did a gospel. I'm going to come back, and we're just going to start in 1 Samuel. Because that seems like the good place. Now that we had this book of the Bible, that why in the world is it in there? Well, it's all in there just for King David. Let's start figuring out what happens with King David. So we'll start in 1 Samuel next week. And I'm not saying we'll do a chapter a week, but we'll see how we do. And it'll be it'll be exciting because the Lord, you guys, the Lord cares about us so much. He wants to show himself to us so much. He wants to comfort us. And strengthen us by the lives of these people, the, the, the lives that these people lived, he preserved to strengthen us in ours. And so it's it's worth it's worth reading. Every time I have a conversation where people say, I don't understand what the point of the Old Testament is, I'm like, oh my gosh, let's talk about the Old Testament. So we'll spend the next seven or nine years in First Samuel and see. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the faithfulness of your people and that it was recorded so that we could read about it today thousands of years later. Thank you so much for your faithfulness that you will always provide a redeemer for us, to redeem us, to save us. And we praise you for doing it. We praise you for taking away our shame. We praise you for taking away our foreignness and our distance from you and bringing us right into your family. We praise you and we exalt you, Lord. Amen. All right. Let's stand and sing number 297 together.